0: Well, the yes, scripture for this morning is actually not what um, what is in the bulletin. It's a shorter section of that. Second Samuel 22. That's on page 343. And we'll we'll actually be looking at verses 32 through 43. As the week went on, and after I sent uh, Scott uh, the bulletin information, I realized that the sermon was way, 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 way too long. And so I cut it in half, and all God's people said amen. And so, so, uh, so we'll, be, we'll be finishing up, not this week, but next week as we make our way through 2 Samuel 22. So we'll be looking specifically at, uh, at verses 32 through 43 of, of this portion of God's Word. So either just listen or read along to this portion. Of the Word of God. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is a rock besides our God? God is my four, strong fortress, and He sets the blameless in His way. He makes my feet like hinds' feet and sets me on my high places. He trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation, and your help makes me great. You enlarge my steps under me, and my feet have not slipped. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them, and I did not turn back until they were consumed. And I have devoured them and shattered them so that they did not rise, and they fell under my feet. For you have girded me with strength for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also made my enemies turn their backs to me, and I destroyed those who hated me. They looked, but there was none to say, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I pulverized them as the dust of the earth, I crushed and stamped them as the mire of the streets." As I mentioned a moment ago in the prayer, we've been thinking and hopefully praying for believers in Afghanistan and certainly other parts of the world as persecution of Christians is on the rise globally. And uh, as we pray for them, we certainly pray for their physical safety and for their protection and for freedom, for a change in circumstances that it would allow them to live up their faith in peace. And even as we pray for those things, I was reminded in an interview I read earlier this week, and I, I could not find it again to quote from it, but it was an interview with a believer in Afghanistan. Who was uh, dismayed at, at the possibility, of course, of the persecution that will probably come when the, America, when the American forces leave. Uh, but uh, uh, the woman said, uh, "We we know Christ, and we have eternal life in Him. And although we would like to see this pass, we know that uh, we are safe in Him." And I thought that applied most appropriately to our passage that we'll be looking at today. We are reminded in this passage of of not just how the Lord worked in David's life, but how the Lord worked in David's greater son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, uh, there is victory. Uh, We are safe and secure for eternity. So while there may be discouraging circumstances and even horrible ones, of this side of glory, we are reminded to look to the King, our King, Jesus Christ, who has won the victory for us. Now let's see that as we work our way through. First, uh, the Lord's protection in verses 32 through 37. Now last week we continued our our look at this chapter by walking through verses 21 through thirty-one. And there we noted once again uh, that this song, although written by David as a praise to the Lord for all that he has done over the course of his life as he looks back on it, is also a messianic song. that David speaks prophetically of his promised greater son, Jesus Christ, who alone fills what was, fulfills what is written up in these lyrics. We noted how in verses 21 through 31, uh, David spoke of the, the purity and the, the sinlessness of himself, the singer, and how the Lord had, God had rewarded him for delivering him from his enemies. But as we looked at that, we recognized that David was not singing about himself. David was a godly man, but far from perfect, as we've learned, as we've work through a second Samuel. It's Jesus alone uh, to whom these lyrics apply fully, as he fully obeyed all of God's laws, and God the Father raised him from the dead, validating his perfect life and sacrifice. It is by the covering of Jesus' righteousness that believers are saved by God's grace. And by his power, we are then enabled to grow in godliness, And show his presence in our lives. In today's verses, we continue our look at the Psalm by coming to verses 32 through 43. And here we see David write of of how the Lord gave him protection from enemies, as well as strength and power to have victory over them. We'll then conclude uh, next week, Lord willing, with verses 44 through 51, which speak of how the Lord expanded the kingdom. Bringing other nations under David. So, in all of this, we'll find a picture of the rule of the Messiah, who has won the victory over sin, the death, and the devil, and how he is now expanding his kingdom to cover the earth as people and nations are and will be brought salvation. As we begin, uh, let's remember once again that a slightly edited version of this uh, chapter appears in the Psalter as Psalm 18, and, and so we've been singing a lot of Psalm 18, and we'll continue to do so. Um, and we start off with, to speak of the Lord's power, which is active in David's life, to give him protection from his enemies, as the Lord kept his promises and worked out his perfect plan. And we'll see how this was fulfilled in Jesus' earthly life and how it is provided for those who are in Christ. The Lord God says in Isaiah 45, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. The triune God who reveals himself in his word is the only God, and, David adds, he alone is a rock. False gods and false religions may offer salvation and safety and well-being as men invent religions and gods, but they cannot and do not provide what is promised. The Lord alone is the true and living God, and He alone is the one on whom we can safely and securely place our trust and build our lives upon His promises and find deliverance. He truly is the only wrong. In John 14 and 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And on him and the truths of the gospel, we are eternally safe and secure. Jesus says in Luke 6, 47 and 48, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it. Because it had been well built. Our God alone is that rock. In verse 33, David speaks of how, as he faced enemies, the Lord was his strong fortress and had made David's way blameless. Now, he protected David's life through, through various threats and battles and dangers over the years. He also made David's way or road down through the years blameless. So the best way to understand this here is that he guided David's journey of life by his providence and safely brought him to his destination. David gives praise to the Lord here for his survival and for guiding him through all of his difficulties and hardships. We see this Fulfilled in His greater Son, Jesus Christ. As Jesus fully trusted in God the Father as He lived this life and as He followed the plan that was laid out before Him in faith. Now, Jesus says in John 6 and 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. And even long before His death, He knew that that was a difficult road He told His disciples in Matthew 17, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill Him, and He will be raised on the third day. And yet with that facing Him, Jesus faithfully carried out His mission. He trusted in the Father, and He won the victory. As we follow Jesus and trust in Him, we know that we go through uh, many difficulties in this life and yet the promises of the gospel we know that he will lead us and that he will safely bring us to our destination into his presence. Jesus says in John 10 My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. And so we live life in that kind of security. Verse 34 adds to the praise, as David sings how the Lord enabled him over the years to be sure-footed as a deer, which is able to climb safely on, on mountainsides and over all kinds of difficult terrain. By God's grace and power, David was able to be a soldier who accomplished great things, and he was kept safe from his enemies, even when they pursued him. Verse 35 adds that the Lord trained his hands for battle, such as to bro a bow of bronze. Commentators are or, uh, lifted all kinds of interesting comments about this. Bows, of, bows were not made of bronze for it was too rigid. And so what David is speaking of here is in the hypothetical. If there was a bow of bronze, the Lord would enable him to bend it. In other words, the Lord strengthened him physically beyond his ability over the years in many battles to preserve his life and to give him victory. In verse 36, David says that the Lord has also given him the shield of your salvation and that your help makes me great. The Lord had protected him on the battlefield and beyond that from many attempts to kill him. And it was by the Lord's work that he was protected and victorious. As he said many years earlier, as a young man, As he faced Goliath. And this is in uh, 1 Samuel 17. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands. And I will strike you down. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know. That the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into my hands. In verse 37, David sings that the Lord enlarged his steps and that his feet had not slipped. Now the images there are how the Lord gave him a sure footing, uh, literally in in battles and, and challenges over the years. This life and its challenges and its heartaches and its temptations and its dangers can certainly leave us feeling unsure and vulnerable. But in Jesus, in the triune God, we are protected eternally. And we know that no matter what happens, He will bring us through all that His providence brings our way. to, To be in His presence when this life is over. Paul writes in in Romans 8, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. No created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so in Christ, we have been given that victory. Well, second, enemies defeated in verses 38 through 43. And uh, these verses then give a series of images which show the Lord's enabling David to have victory over his enemies. And these are fulfilled in Jesus' victories and in us as we belong to Jesus actions here. There are a lot of verbs here. David pursued and consumed. He devoured and shattered them and they fell. Verses uh, 38 and 39. In verse 40, David recognizes that it was all due to the Lord who, who girded David with strength for the battle and subdued those who rose up against him. Uh, The Lord enabled David to force his enemies to retreat in in verse 41, and David destroyed those who hated him. Now all of these images show how the Lord empowered David as king and and leader of Israel uh, to defeat the Philistines and others who had opposed the Lord and opposed the Lord's people. David humbly acknowledges the Lord's power in him and through him. And yet all of this, in a greater way, points us to David's greater son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and his victories over sin and death and the devil. And how he continues to lead us in victory over these things as we belong to him. And we'll work through these three. Uh, I'll letter these for your note-takers. Uh, A. Uh, Jesus saved us from sin. Uh, we are all by nature fallen in Adam. Uh, we have his sin counted to us. And we ourselves are sinners by nature. Romans 5 tells us by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. Through the transgression... There resulted condemnation to all men. Through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. And so we all, as as uh, sons and daughters of Adam, have his sin upon us, and we ourselves are sinners who sin daily in thought, in word, and deed. And as such, we are under the just and righteous God's judgment. And we deserve punishment for sins. Romans 3 reminds us, there is none righteous, not even one. By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. We can't even look at the law and say, I'm going to perfectly obey this and earn God's favor, because we will all fail in that. For we are sinners by nature. And we have all sinned, multiple times every day, every day of our lives. Yet by God's grace, Jesus Christ was sent and agreed to come to save a people from what we deserve by being the saving substitute of those who would trust in Him. Jesus is the eternal God, the Son, second person to the triune God, for whose sakes also became fully man to be our saving substitute. He fully obeyed all of God's laws, something Adam and we all failed to do. And on the cross, he took the wrath of God due to his people for their sins upon himself. After three days in the grave, God the Father raised him from the dead and accepted sacrifice and a living Savior. And all those who trust in him and his saving work alone are covered in his righteousness, forgiven by his sacrifice, justified at God's judgment seat, and eternally reconciled to the triune God to enjoy his fellowship forever. Romans 3 tells us God has made known a righteousness from God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace. Through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. By his grace we have new life in Jesus Christ. And we have not only been given, but we have also been given freedom from slavery to sin. We are radically changed in his grace and are being changed by God the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And we are being enabled uh, to reject sin and to grow in godliness. Paul writes in Romans 6, The death that he, referring to Christ, died. He died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. But alive to God in Jesus Christ therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so as to obey its lusts but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God for sin shall not be mastered over you and we're reminded of the power of God the Holy Spirit working in us in 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. V. In Jesus, we also have victory over death. Jesus was crucified, And he died and after three days in the grave God the Father raised him from the dead a living Savior and accepted sacrifice Romans 1 and 4 says of Christ he was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead and Acts 2 and 24 Peter says God raised him up loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for Him to be held by it. Jesus is that living Savior. He is God the Son. He is everything that the Scriptures proclaimed that He was and is. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we are given ourselves the resurrection of our souls to union and eternal life with Him and the sure promise of the resurrection of our physical bodies on the last great day. We're told of our spiritual resurrections in Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him. And so... By God's grace, you have been raised up from being dead to God from your spiritual death and have been given life in Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And Jesus says to the believing thief on the cross next to him, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And that is the sure hope and promise to all believers on the day of our deaths that our souls go to be with him. This is because Jesus rose from the dead, victorious over death. And one day death itself will finally be ended. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, after that those who are Christ's at his coming. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. Death is swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Physical death is not the end for those in Christ. Our souls go to be with the Lord and are perfected and our bodies rest in the ground until one day they will be raised up and glorified and reunited with our souls to dwell eternally with him who has reconciled us to himself. And so these are the great and wonderful promises of God's word in the gospel. See, Jesus won the victory over the devil. The Lord Jesus won vic- the victory over the devil in all of his the spiritual forces of evil. He refused the devil's temptation to sin in Matthew chapter 1. remained sinless his whole earthly life, not giving in to temptation. And Jesus won the victory over those spiritual forces of darkness, dying for us on the cross and being raised from the dead. His victory not only secured the salvation of God's people, but was, was, uh, was universal in its effect, cosmic in its effect. and will one day undo all of the damage done by the fall. In Colossians 2, we're, we're told, when you were dead in your transgressions, God made you alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all of our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of charges against us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. On the cross, Jesus fulfilled the ancient promise of Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, the devil. And the forces of evil, they thought they had won when they had him crucified and killed. But that very act secured their defeat, not his, as he rose from the grave and by his sacrifice he won the victory. Jesus saved a people by his sacrifice and he brings us out of the devil's control. Colossians 1 reminds us He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus rules over the spiritual forces of evil from the Father's right hand. He controls and limits what they are able to do. Ephesians 1 tells us, ...and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. He has put all things under his feet and has made him head over all things for the church. Although the devil and his servants do continue to do wickedness, They are limited limited in what they can do. And they cannot stop the church. And they cannot stop Jesus Christ in His rule. Their ultimate defeat is already secure. The Lord Jesus Christ is indeed Lord of all. And all of the forces of the universe are subject to Him. Including those those that are hostile to Him. And as we are united to him by by faith and in our salvation, we share in that victory. John Calvin writes, As the victories secured to David involve the securing of similar victories to us, it follows that there is here a promise to us of an impregnable defense against all the efforts of Satan, all the machinations of sin and all the temptations of the flesh. No matter our troubles here, and they can be significant, we are eternally secure in Him and are assured of those spiritual victories won for us by Christ. Again, we read from Romans 8, neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. By His grace, we are assured of that spiritual victory. Then in verses 42 and 43, David sings, They looked, but there was none to say, even to the Lord, but He did not answer them. Then I pulverized them as the dust of the earth. I crushed and stamped them as the mire in the streets. Well, that is obviously very strong language. In its first fulfilling here from David's pen, it speaks of the overwhelming defeat of his enemies, of those wicked people that came up against him and the people of Israel. But in a greater sense, it reminds us of Jesus Christ, our King and Savior, reminds us of His defeat of those who oppose Him, that they will fall under His judgment. Notice in verse 2 how those doomed to defeat cry out for anyone to save, but no one can. We're reminded in Scripture that no one but the true God and the only Savior, Jesus Christ, can save. Peter says in Acts 4 and 12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven which has been given among men by, by which we must be saved. None of the pagan gods can save. that the Philistines and others might have cried out to And in today's world, we are reminded that that Allah and Vishnu and other gods that men invent also cannot save. Only Jesus can save. Verse 42 reminds us as well that men often cry out to the Lord, yet without true faith, merely as one God among many, or out of insincere panic. Such will not be saved. Jesus says Himself in Matthew 7 and 21, Not everyone who says to Me, Lord, Lord, will enter the Kingdom of Heaven. There can be an empty way in which people uh, cry out to the Lord, yet without faith and without trusting in Jesus Christ as He is revealed in the Scriptures. And yet with that said, We are promised in God's word that those who truly and sincerely trust and repent in the Lord Jesus Christ will indeed be saved. Romans 10 tells us, if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. The scripture says, Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. It is much better to know Jesus as Savior than as Judge. It is much better to be his loyal subject by grace than to be his enemy. As we're told in 2 Thessalonians 1, the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power when He comes to be glorified in His saints on that day. And to be marveled at among all who have believed. And so there is this wonderful promise of salvation, but there is also the grim warning of judgment for those who reject the the offer of the gospel. And it is much better to take hold of the salvation that Christ offers than to know the just judgment for your sins. And we might also add in closing that this word of judgment is also given in the scriptures to nations, nations who reject Jesus as king. God the Father says in Psalm 2 that we sang earlier, but as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. Now therefore, O king, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that ye not become angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. The testimony in chapter 23 says this, Every nation ought to recognize the divine institution of civil government, the sovereignty of God exercised by Jesus Christ in its duty to rule the civil affairs of men in accordance with the will of God. It should enter into covenant with Christ and serve to advance His kingdom on earth. The negligence of civil government in any of these particulars is sinful, makes the nation liable to the wrath of God, and threatens the continued existence And the rise and fall of nations is not due to political power or the machinations of men. It is due to the work of Jesus Christ. And so we as a nation and all the nations of the earth are to recognize Jesus Christ and repent and turn to Him. And when we fail to do that, we place ourselves in peril to be under His judgment. As He advances His kingdom. And so let us be praying for individuals who are outside of Christ. That they would turn to Him and know His forgiveness. And pray for our nation and the nations of the world. That they would do the same. And we'll look next week, Lord willing. At how the Lord will bring the gospel to the nations. In an overwhelming way. Before He returns. And so we have that encouragement here we also have this warning. Today's passage reminds us of the eternal protection and the victory of the Lord over sin and death and the devil. Let us rejoice as those in Christ who enjoy the blessings of his victory. And let us uh, be diligent uh, to, to bring word of this to those around us that there is yet time as they live to repent and to know his forgiveness. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you and praise you uh, for this portion of your word and ask that you might apply it to our hearts. Uh, We thank you for the ways in which you worked in David's life so many years ago to protect him from enemies and to bring him victory. And thank you for the blessings that God's people of Israel enjoy by those things. Well, we thank you even more for how of this passage in this chapter is fulfilled most fully in our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the eternal safety that we have in him, that he has gone to great lengths to live for us, to die for us, to rise again from the dead for us, to be seated at the Father's right hand and rule and reign for us. And so we thank you and praise you for Christ and his role, for the eternal uh, security and salvation we have in him. And we thank you and praise you for all these things in his name. Amen.